in the name, the greatest of all names, your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I ask today that you would give me clarity of mind. I pray that you would give me the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, the wisdom of God. And I pray, Father, that as I share today, that you will, in spite of what might be going on in my life, I pray, Father, that you would bless And I pray that I would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and that you would empower me to one end, and that is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I pray that the words that are spoken, that they will be healing to the souls of mankind. And I pray that Jesus Christ is glorified. Keep us, help us, speak Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Everyone here. Everyone, I didn't say some of you, I didn't say only uh, a couple of you that have special abilities, talents, or other things, not just those that maybe uh, tend to shine in particular areas. I am saying all of you, from the youngest to the most senior, you have been gifted by God. If you belong to Christ, if you are His, You are gifted. That is spiritually gifted by God. He has poured out his Holy Spirit upon you. In his kingdom, what he has done through his sacrificial death, through the shedding of his blood, entering before his Father in his kingdom, not with the blood of rams or goats, but with his own blood, he entered in, making atonement for all. And we surrendering our lives to Christ. That's what it is. Turning from sin, surrendering to him, putting our faith in Jesus Christ. That has transformed us. Making us a new creation by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And now we have been gifted. The Bible says when he ascended up on high, he gave gifts to mankind. So... All of you in here, if you belong to Jesus, you are gifted with something. Now, the Bible names off several different types of spiritual gifts. Some of them we just don't talk about. Why? Because we're Baptist. I have no idea. I've asked questions. I was in the seminary. I said, what about these gifts of the Spirit? And they go, shh. You don't, you don't want to get the dean upset. You don't want to get all this upset. I said, but there's gifts of the Spirit. They're from the Holy Spirit. They're gifts that come from God to us for the work of the ministry, for the edification, the building up of the saints in the body. And I tell you, I went toe-to-toe with some people a few times. Well, this gift, is, it no longer exists. If it don't exist, none do the rest of them. That's the truth. I've had some people come to me and say to me, well, now we know in part, we see in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that which in part will cease. And what he's talking about is the gifts of the Spirit. And I looked at him and I said, you do realize that Pentecost, they say the perfect that came was Jesus. And I look at him and I said, Pentecost was after the death and resurrection of Jesus, this is what he's talking about the church age. It's not talking about the gifts. 
per se ceasing. He's talking about the things that we will no longer need. And the fact is, is that for this time period until Christ returns, we need his Holy Spirit. We need his empowerment. And I want you to think about the gifts of the Spirit this way. God has a toolbox. Now, how many of you in here today consider yourself pretty handy? All the youth lift up your hands. I will ask you in 10 years, and I will be speaking to your spouse. (laughs) Always remember, if they don't find you handsome, they should find you handy. Anyway, okay? Okay, you think you're handy. Okay, if you're handy, then you understand something. There is a proper tool for a particular need, right? Okay. So now let me, let me get here. So I, in my younger years, as I would try to build these little soapbox cars and things like that, you know, little derby things that we'd run down the hill and they'd go two feet and collapse because our parents, they, they didn't help us. Not because they didn't want us to help us, but we knew everything, Right. Is that a common problem with young children? I was just wondering. Yeah, okay, I just want to make sure because, you know, we obviously learn, learn, know everything. And, and I'm not just being cute when I say this, but the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. And right now I'm a blithering idiot. So, I, I mean, I really, I really don't understand. But I used to think that a, ha- that a brick was just as good as a hammer. If I found my dad's really big crescent wrench, that would work just like a hammer too. But I have learned over the years that if you have a proper tool, the job is done efficiently. It's done better. The tool was designed for the need. Are you with me there? Well, imagine for a minute God, in his infinite wisdom, by the power of the Holy Spirit, looked down upon his church and he says, this is what you're going to need. These are the things that you need in your body among you to accomplish what I need you to accomplish because what I am calling to you, you to do is a supernatural work. You cannot do it on your own. Fact is, is that human beings cannot will people into heaven. You must pray, seek God, pray for those people, and witness and share. And it is the Holy Spirit that then comes, draws the heart, and brings them to salvation. The surrendering, the repentance of the heart. But in all of those things that the Holy Spirit does, God realized that certain things need to be in the body for the equipping of the saints. They have to be there. And you say, well, why do they have to be there? Well, I'm going to tell you like my parents told me. They said, because I said so. Okay, how about this? God said so. If he said so, take it up with him. You may need them. They fit. But imagine this. What if I had every tool known to man for every job, and I looked in there and I went, you know, I don't need that hammer. You know what? Who needs a saw blade anyway? Some of you looking like, Shane, you, you, you hitting the big ones first. You know, start with like a pencil or, or something like that to mark stuff. Oh, let's get rid of those rulers. And we definitely don't need a level, right? Because nothing we build needs to be on the level. But what I'm saying is if I started taking out tools and throwing them to the side and said, we can use these, these are good, but these are bad. 
Well, what if God, you know, we look at God and say, God, you know, all these spiritual gifts that you've given us, we're going to take these off because we don't quite understand them, and we're going to throw them over here, and we're not going to mess with them. We don't want anything to do with these gifts. All we're going to do is we're going to concentrate on these little handful of tools here. The only problem is maybe you're missing a hammer. Maybe you're missing a socket set. Or let's say we just keep all the tools, but we throw away all the screws, the nails, and any other kinds of fasteners. What if God just looked at you and said, they're all good, and we need to use them? Well, the good news today is I'm not going to scare the daylights out of you. I'm not going to sit here and go, tongues! I'm not going to say prophecy! And get everybody, oh, goodness, he's going to talk about those words, Okay. Well, eventually we are going to talk about those things. But what I want to talk about in the gifts is this. You know why the gifts of the Spirit are given to the church? For the edification of the body. Edification is a wonderful uh, word that simply means this. To build up. To build up. To strengthen. To build up to edify. That is why the gifts exist. I'll give you an example. People want to talk about prophecy, okay? And I won't get into the mechanics of it yet, but I will say this. Some people a long time ago said, you know, prophecy is nothing more than preaching. Well, then if that's the case, I guess every preacher is a prophet. Y'all hadn't even been to a, 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 a paint, what, what is it, an art exhibit? You know, every picture they've got of Jesus, he's like this. As a matter of fact, it looks scary. You ever know? In the three fingers I found that stood, stood for the triune God. But even as a baby, he's laying there. Okay? So I gave you my prophet look, and half of you are looking at me like, did he just have a seizure? Is Dr. Dixon in here right now? Because I, I think he just checked out. Like I said, I'm high as a kite. Y'all going to have to deal with it. Okay. My point is this. The gift of prophecy, it says we should desire the best gifts. Well, wait a minute, aren't all the gifts good? Yes, but Paul said there is a function within the gifts that we should even seek to desire those more. And do you know what they do? Do you know what prophecy does? Do you know what all these particular gifts that are supposed to be used during corporate worship, why they're desired? They edify the church. Paul said, I wish that you are, oh goodness, here we go. Just, just work with me, you know. Say he's young, he's dumb, and all that kind of other stuff, or say I'm old and dumb now. But anyway, here's the deal. I just want you to work with me. Paul said, you can all pray in tongues. You can do whatever you want to. And he says, but if you're not interpreting, he said, how is the church edified? How do they know what you're saying? How can the church say Amen. He says, however, when you prophesy, the whole church benefits because they hear the word of God, mysteries are revealed, the, the hidden things of the heart are revealed, and they are edified. Everybody is edified. Paul's focus, whenever he talks about spiritual gifts, is the building up of the church, the body. Now you say, Shane, where are you getting to go with this? I'm getting ready to springboard like you wouldn't believe from one thing to another. I said all of that to bring you to this point. 
Do we edify one another? I want you to think about that for a minute. Do we build one another up? We can barely build up ourselves, one another. I'm talking about our, our, our friends. Well, let's do this. Our fellow man, we barely build up our own families, and they are the ones that are closest to us. How many of us spend more time tearing one another down rather than building that person up? Well, then you'll have somebody look at you and say, well, pastor, you just don't understand. My husband's just dumb. My husband's just mean. He just said, yes, 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 we all are. You knew that when you married us. You know, kind of picking well what we were. No, I'm just kidding. The truth, you know, some, of, some of the ladies are like, no, he ain't that far off. <laughs> You're going to be at the altar, boo-boo. Anyway, oh, I need to stop. I'm telling you, I'm out there right now. Maybe y'all are going to want me to be this way every service. I don't know. Anyway, back to where I was. But my point that I'm making very poorly is this. We need to build one another up. And if you can't build up your own family, the people are, that are around you, if you can't see beyond yourself and your wants, I'm not even going to say needs, many times it's just wants of what you've got in your life. And so because they're not being met exactly the way you want them to be met or you're not receiving the things that you want the way you want them and on the schedule you want them, we end up fighting. We end up jabbing. We end up hurting one another. And how do we, who are tearing down those who are closest to us, begin to edify anybody else that is around us, much less how do we edify and build up the church? I'm going to say one more thing before we put those scriptures up there. And you're saying, there's scripture? Yeah, there's scripture. Trust me. I ain't even got there yet. I'm going to share a secret with you. How many of you would like to have a genuinely happy and joyful life? Baby, don't look so excited. My wife's looking at, praise the Lord, are they giving them out today? You're supposed to be looking up there saying, yes, yes, my husband's wonderful. Don't, and my wife's eyes are this big. He's like, who is this man? Make it, it's not a game, but make it a decision to do something. Set out on a particular day to see how many people that you come in contact with to change their lives for the better. To say something to somebody and put a smile on their face. face. To somehow, some way, go into their situation and build them up. Build them up. Take them from where they are Take them from the hurt or something that might have occurred to them and bring them out of it. You say, Shane, that's a lot. No, I'm saying you can do that in casual conversation. I had just the other day, not a major thing. Me and Misty were at a certain establishment and we had eaten. 
And after eating, the lady who was ringing us up couldn't get things exactly right, got the manager involved, couldn't get the things exactly right. And the whole time, I can tell that this lady, who is a very sweet lady, is flustered because she feels like I haven't done my job properly. And so after it was said and done, she looks at me and she says, I am so sorry. And I looked there and I said, sorry for what? And she says, well, it's taken me 10 minutes. Now, let me ask you something. Most people, and I tell them literally 10 minutes. 10 minutes is a long time, folks. But you stand there for 10 minutes while somebody is doing something and they're doing everything in their power to make it right. They even got a manager involved, but they can't get it done. Now, most people, do you know what they do to them? Because I asked. How would most people treat you in that situation? She said they can be very, very ugly and cruel. And you want to know something? How old is that lady? You don't have to call her name. What would you say roughly? Probably in her 70s. Do you know what my father or my mother or my ancestors, for that matter, if I was ugly to a 70-something-year-old woman who was doing her job and had done nothing wrong, and I turned off and smarted off at that woman and I gave her the white form, my ancestors would come up out the graves. Y'all would think Jesus returned to get me. You don't do it. It's a no-no. If you, you know, if there's a legitimate claim or a problem that's going on, we can talk about it, but you don't tear people down, especially your elders. And so, yeah, it's all right. And I tell you, that's another thing. I don't preach a sermon on that. People need to learn how to respect other people. But anyway, move, move, moving on. So what I did was I looked there and I said, ma'am, I said, this is such a small thing. I said, we're easy. We're easy to get along with. And the lady's looking at me and she goes, well, I thank you. I said, look, I said, if somebody gets bent out of shape because you're genuinely trying to help them and they don't have an extra few minutes in their life to be patient and kind with somebody and maybe show you some kindness that they themselves would want in the same situation, they need to grow up. Let me tell you what happened. By the time we were done talking in this two to three minute conversation, that little woman was smiling. She was peppy. She was excited. She was ready to get on with it at that moment. But what did it cost me to tell her the truth? What did it cost me? It cost me nothing. But do you want to know what being ugly to her could have cost? Do you know how I could have eternally impacted her life? I don't know what's going on in her heart. I don't know what's going on in her life. I don't know where she is. Some people are on the edge. There's some people that are smiling, that look at you and they're hugging you, telling you all sorts of things. I've had buddies in law enforcement the same way. They walk in there laughing, they're cutting up and hugging you. And the next thing you know, the next, the next day, as a matter of fact, he did, took his own life. When God tells us to love and to edify one another, he's not saying it just because it's a nice sentiment. He's saying it because there is enough ugly in the world already, and you're not part of the world. And you're not supposed to act like the world. We're not. 
We are edifiers. We are building people up. Now you say, well, does that mean, Shane, I'm just always telling people goody, 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 goody. No, I'm not asking you to be a fortune cookie Christian, okay? I'm not asking you to do that. Don't make stuff up. But what am I asking you to do? Sometimes you've got to look at people and let's say the pain that is in their lives. I mean, a few small things could help them. Encourage them. Help them to see what's going on in their life, but be there for them. Don't just look at them. If you just can't see it, well then forget you. If you will take your days and you will set out on that day, no matter how you feel, even if you're miserable, it's very good when you're miserable. Because sometimes you wake up on that side of the bed. I keep trying to push it over to Misty's side, but it keeps coming back to my side. Where you just wake up irritable, miserable, and just want to tell the world about it. Misery does love company. Set out on that day to be as sweet and kind and merciful to the people you come in contact with. Find a way to offer a good word, a word of hope, a word of encouragement. And I'll give you something else. When you see somebody being ugly out there and you happen to be in conversation with them, Find a way to insert some love in there, mercy, from your own life. And do you know what you're going to wind up doing? This is just a fact of life, folks. You're going to find out that you start feeling better. Not because people are giving to you, but because you're taking what Christ Jesus has poured into you, and now you're giving it to other people. And guess what he leaves you with? His joy. His joy. Let me start tying this together. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. Title of the message is The Privilege of Representing Christ, but there is a hinge point in here that I want you to see. Christ died for a purpose. Yes. First and foremost, to save us from our sins, that we might know God he came into the world, that we might know his love and compassion, that he might free us from sin by giving his life and shedding his blood, dying for our sins in our place, that the righteousness of God might be given to us, that we might surrender our lives to him and that we too might partake of eternal life and salvation to be with him. Always remember, Jesus Christ is the prize. It isn't living forever. It's Jesus. You got Jesus, you got it all. Let me say that another way. Christianity isn't about getting a get out of hell free card. Christianity is about knowing Jesus. Okay, so let's talk about Christ's death. God bless the reading of his word. It says, and he, Jesus, died for all. That those who live, this is another reason. Take a look at it. He died for all of us so that those who live should live no longer for what? Themselves. We don't get to live for ourselves. Now, does, does that mean, Pastor, that we never get to do anything we want to do? No, 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 no. That's not what it's saying. God wants you to enjoy life. It's fine to have vacations. It's fine to do things. But your primary function in life is not the gratification of our flesh. And it is not to grow our world at the expense of others. We grow as God desires and we bless as much as we possibly can. 
to help others. To be Christ to someone else. As Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Think about his life. Think about his ministry, his mission. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm dead. But he says, something strange has happened to me. Paul died, but this body is still alive. What's going on here? Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not Paul, it's not me, shame, but it's Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith, trust, obedience to the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's my life. This is supposed to be Jesus and me. For each tomorrow. Okay, I think the medicine took over again, but that's all right. I like that song. But think about it. Jesus in me. Hope of glory. So, we're no longer to live for ourselves. He died for us. He died for all so that all those those that live, live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So we're supposed to live our lives for Christ in obedience and worship and honor and and, and, in our focus, centrality of life and thought is on Christ. But there is something inside of Christ that is also part of this vision and part of this mission. And that is others. Other people. God wants other people to know his love. He wants them to experience it in a very real way. Well, here's the deal, folks. How are they going to experience it? Who is going to show them? Not simply in word. They got to see it in deed. They've got to experience it. The words on the page are indeed powerful. But the words in the heart of a believer who is living it out are life-changing through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you and showing the world. Verse 16, it says, Therefore, from now on, he said, we regard no man according to the flesh. Now, this is going to sound interesting the way he phrases. He said, even though we once uh, have known Christ according to the flesh, Yet we know him thus no longer. What is Paul talking about? Paul says we don't need to be looking with human eyes, with human wisdom, and human understanding alone. You know, everybody thinks that human thinking and all that kind of stuff is bad. No, 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 no. God gave you your mental faculties. They've been corrupted, but they're good things. Okay? But... We are not going to regard anyone now just simply looking at the outward appearance, what they might have, what they may do. We're not going to look at all of that. What we're looking at them is through Christ's eyes. They once knew Christ according to the flesh. They came to him, they met him, but then they realized who he was. And now they don't look at him that way any longer. We now look through his eyes. As Christ would look at others, now we look as well. So to use the mind of Christ, the eyes of Christ. Let's see. Verse 17. Therefore, here comes that scripture. Therefore, 
since we're looking with Christ's eyes, since we belong to him, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means you belong to him. You are in him. It's kind of like um, John three sixteen, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, our only begotten Son, that whosoever believes the word in there, where it says in, whosoever believes in him, is actually in two. If you look back at a lot of your translations, they will even put the word into. But it says, whosoever believes into him. It's not that I know about Christ, it's that I am in him. I have a relationship. We belong to each other. I mean, I guess, I don't want to get crazy when I say this, and I, I know I've got medicine in my body, but let me say this. I know my wife. I am into my wife. We're in this thing together. We are bound together in holy matrimony. What, what, you know, what Christ has joined together, he put us together. Let no one ever separate. We belong. So whenever I'm talking about Jesus, I'm not talking about a casual relationship. I'm talking about an intimate relationship. And what he is saying here, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, guess what? You are a new creation. That's what you are. You have been made new. Now, some of us, after having been made the creation, we walk back. We tend to, some of us turn away. We've fallen away. We've had all this garbage that comes back into our lives. And I'll tell you this, do that one time, and I hope it never happens to anybody. I've been there. There's been a time where Jesus Christ set me free from the shackles of sin, and I walked right back into it and started playing in that garbage patch. I guess that's a better way to put it. And I'll tell you this, that stuff will stick to you like glue. You get out of it the second time, you stay out of it. I don't want to go there. It'll tear your life apart. But let me say this. You still are a new creation. Even if you have fallen, return to the Lord. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he, be. he is near. Let the, unrighteous, let's see, let the unrighteous man forsake his way. No. Let the wicked man forsake his ways and let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will abundantly pardon. If we'll return to God, I don't care where you are, where you've fallen to. You return just like the prodigal son. That's why the story's in the book. He'll take you back. If you'll bow down before him and say, Father, I blew it. Sure he will. Sure he will. Because he's better than anyone else. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. There's a theological aspect to that. It's not just simply that you're changed, but all that other garbage is done away with. It's not attached to you in the sense that you're carrying this bag of garbage, this bag of sin around with you. It's done away with. Now you and your Christian walk, you may look around and say, well, Shane, I still struggle with things. Congratulations, you're a human being. Okay? But what I am saying is that even in the struggle, there are things that Jesus Christ is going to break away from your life. You're a new creation, and now Jesus Christ is going to tear all of those things out of your life, he's going to whittle them away and slowly but surely, according to the word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit residing in you, he will give life to your mortal bodies.
He'll destroy that old way of life. He'll remove the decay. People, you just got to hang in there and let him have his perfect work. Because I hate to say this because it's tough on us as human beings, but people, how do you learn to become like Christ? How do you learn to be compassionate and merciful? How do you learn to stay in the fight and not give up if there's never a struggle? How can you talk about amazing grace when you haven't been brought out of anything? God sometimes will deliver you from things. Just like that. But more times than not, God will hop on that ship with you and he says, there's a storm a-brewing. And you're looking at him saying, yeah, Lord, and I'm scared to death. And he says, well, then I guess you better nose that ship right into the storm and we'll get to it together. You can skirt around the storm, but eventually you're going to have to face it. But the good news is he'll never leave you in the storm. He'll see you through the storm. When you come out on the other side, you will be better. Okay. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Verse 18. Now, all things are of God. What it's saying is what he's been talking about here. All these things that he's been sharing, they are of God who has reconciled us to himself. God did the reconciling. He brought us to himself. How did he do it? Through Jesus Christ. And has given us, now here's the biggie. Here's where I'm drawing on everything we've talked about so far. Everybody wants to know, well, how's he going to pull this together? Here it is. And God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You and I have a ministry that is entrusted to us. Every one of you. Every one of you. You can't skip out on this one. Every one of you. You have the ministry of reconciliation. Primarily, it is talking about reconciliation with the people in the world back to God. Be reconciled to God. There is a secondary aspect of that that you can see all through the Gospels and in the preaching of Paul. That is the reconciliation of mankind between you and me, each other, to be reconciled. The point, the point, just bear with me, okay? If we cannot love, if we cannot come together, if we cannot unite, how in the world are we going to get it right on that side? God calls us. You ever wonder why Jesus threw in there? You know, somebody comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of all? What's the number one thing God wants from us? Jesus said, it is this. You shall, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God, and you shall love, which entails obedience. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your might, and you will Ready for this? He could have stopped there, but he didn't. Love God with every ounce of your being. It's, it's Jesus or bust. And you ever wonder why? And the second is like unto it, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Because you can lie to yourself. Ooh, I like drugs. You can lie to you. Just the stuff I'm taking right now, please. Somebody's going to go, our pastor is a proponent of drugs. No, I ain't what I'm saying. I'm just saying I'm, I'm floating up here right now. Hope y'all are enjoying this. But I'm telling you right now that we, God is telling us 
that if we cannot love our fellow man, if you can't love and care for him, how in the world are you going to love God? Because these are his children. These are the ones that he cares for. You and I are the ones that he cares for. And when we don't have the time to reach out and love and to reconcile and help build other relationships, not just our relationships to one another, but maybe you see other relationships out there. And I'm not saying they're going to heal overnight, and I'm not saying that a couple words are going to fix it. But my goodness, we can do something, right? When you see your brother or sister driving their life, okay, metaphorically speaking, driving their life into a burning building, stop them. Look at them and say, no. And they say, well, who are you to tell me what to do with my life? I'm not telling you what to do with your life. I'm telling you not to kill yourself. And I'm telling you not to destroy everything that you truly want in life because you're too cotton-picking blind right now to see what's really going on. Maybe you need somebody to love you and look. All right. Somebody say, woe is me. I don't, I don't know. Okay. Okay. The ministry of reconciliation. Let's go to 19. That is, this ministry of reconciliation, that is that God was in Christ, what was he doing? He was reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. In other words, we deserve the judgment, but God says, no, I'm not going to judge you. My son's going to be judged in your place. He's going to die in your place. So I'm not going to take the sins and the judgment that rightly falls to you I'm rather going to put them on Christ. And Christ takes those sins so now that the Father, rather, have, rather than having to deal with you at arm's length, can now embrace you because your sins are forgiven. And has committed, now look at this, not, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. There it is again, the ministry. And then the word of reconciliation. To reconcile, to put people together. We saints, we Shane Phillips needs to be reconciled to God. And you say, well, pastor, aren't you reconciled to God? In Christ, yes. But I'm going to tell you practically on a day-to-day -day basis, I still need to tell my mind, my body, all these different things that come into my mind where Satan tries to drive me in the wrong direction. No. I'm going to remain in his arms, not your clutches. I'm going to stay in his favor, his love, safely guarded to him, not in your claws. He loves me. You want to destroy me. Okay. Now then, last two verses. Some of you are thinking, bless the Lord. But anyway... Now then, we are ambassadors, ambassadors for Christ. Now think about this. You have a ministry of reconciliation, of healing, helping, caring for. Like God said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. The second one, if you don't, can't do the second one, you can't do the first one. Throw it in there. 
can't love God's children, how are you going to love God? If we can't fix it here, you know, by his grace and help, what are we going to do? But think about this. We are ambassadors as well. We represent God. We are commissioned, by the way, empowered by God and sent by God. We're supposed to go. You have the Holy Spirit residing in you. Some of us in this room do not realize the power of God that resides within us because we've never taken the time to really speak to God, pray and ask God to release that power that is within us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God does not empower me to be a showboat, to put on a sequin jacket for people to walk around and say, Woo, look at Pastor Shane. Hogwash. No pastor should shine more than Jesus. And we got a lot of them that like to. But we represent Christ. And what we're supposed to be doing is doing the things that Christ does. And I see Jesus everywhere he goes. It was only those that were uh, high and mighty, holier than thou, that Christ had to jerk a knot in some tails. But every other person he came in contact with, he offered them hope and edification. He tried to build them up. And I think what we need to do is we need to start building folks up rather than tearing them down. And people say, well, you know, we've got to bring correction. Sometimes, Yeah, we do need to bring correction. The problem is, is that's all we bring. And I don't know about you, but that speck in your eye isn't half as bad as a moat. The big board that's sticking out of mine, as Jesus said. When your heart is to see that person madly in love with Jesus, walking in his spirit, blessed with his favor, experiencing the full grace of his love in his or her life, people, then you got it. Then you understand. And any time you do think that you got it, just ask yourself a question, would I lay down my life for that person? If the answer is no, you probably do a little more. That's what Jesus did. Now, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God. Think about this. You're sent as an ambassador. You speak on the behalf of the person who sent you. We are speaking on the behalf of God as though God were pleading through us. We implore you. On Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are that clarion call. We are that voice in the wilderness calling to all the world that this is not some fairy tale. This is not some old outdated book. That this is just something that we have got in our minds because we are these uh, ideologues. I guess that's a word. But anyway, we're, we, we subscribe to this, this thought pattern and we brainwashed ourselves to live in a time period that is no longer valid. valid. I don't believe that. I believe that the words of this book are just as live, breathing, and powerful today and still able to change the human heart. But there is one person that can short-circuit that and that is us. God often speaks to the hearts of man and we shut him down. You want to see the power of God in your life? Quit fighting God. Surrender to him and say, here am I, God, use me. And whenever you do that, hold on tight. 
Get up one morning and say, today, Father, give me one to witness to. Next day, get up and say, Father, give me 15. He'll give you the heathen for an inheritance, he said. Ask him for them. Pray for God to release what is in you. And then do it. What's in you to be released? Jesus. 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 Be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us, that we might become, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's what we're supposed to become. The righteousness of God. All those fruits of the Spirit, everything. The righteousness of God. Mm. That'll almost preach, folks. Almost. All right. Today, if God is dealing with your heart, and let me tell you what we're going to do. The worship team is going to be coming. I'm not coming down there because I'm not going to touch you. People say, well, Pastor, you don't have the faith. I do have the faith, and I also have a brain to understand that whenever you're six, don't go out there slurping on people and touching all over them, okay? Can God protect us? Absolutely. But I'm not here to tempt God either. God tells me to do it, I do it. Today, if God is speaking to your heart through the message that the Holy Spirit has given, I pray that you respond to him, not to me. Respond to the Spirit of God. It is not about walking down this aisle, but this altar exists for you and for me. This area has been set apart by this church for business with God. So what I would say in a moment is if God has been speaking to you through this service and you feel the tugging of God upon your heart, don't deny him. You say, well, I'm in the balcony. Well, you sat up there. That don't protect you from Jesus. And I'll tell you something else. If you're up there because you love Jesus, I know why you're up there because I've seen some of you up there. Woo! Y'all were doing like this during the service. That's okay. We got crazy people down there too. They love Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus crazy. But here's the deal. If God's speaking to your heart, the altars are going to be open in just a minute. Anywhere along the front. We'll have people down here that will pray with you if you want them to. If you want to pray by yourself, that's fine. Over here to the right, all the way along the front. If you feel God leading you to the front, don't deny him. If God says you can stay where you are, stay where you are. The main thing is that you respond to God. But in a moment, as the music's playing, there'll be people here. If you want special prayer, just come down in front of them. They'll take you by the hand. You can share with them. They will pray with you. If you need to be anointed with oil or you have a special prayer request along that line, we can handle that as well. The main thing once again, don't turn Jesus away. It isn't worth it. Today may be your miracle, literally. The miracle in your life and in your heart. The next thing, maybe you don't know Jesus. You don't know him. He's a pleasure to meet. You need to get to know him. Come down here and talk to somebody and say, hey, I want to know Jesus or I need to know more about him. Maybe you're struggling with your relationship with God. Maybe you've wandered away. Maybe you've been hurt. Hey, Jesus loves you and he needs you. He needs you to feel his love. If everyone will please stand. And as they're singing, don't wait for a special opportunity or moment. You respond as God is speaking to you.
so much for being a part of our service here today. I hope I haven't scared you too much. And like I said, do not hold me completely accountable for everything that I said today. I do plan on going back and watching this message sometime tomorrow. And so I will make all of my apologies accordingly, if they need to be made. But I do want you to know this, church. I love you. And I mean that. I love this church, this body. You're good folks. You're people of prayer. And you seek to do the will of God. And it's an honor to be able to be able to share with you the words that I believe that God has laid upon my heart this week. And I know that you've got your holiday weekend coming up. Take a moment with your family. As a matter of fact, when you're together, maybe you're going to be eating barbecue or something like that. Take a little time just to maybe talk about if you've got relatives that have given their lives for their country or maybe just to say a little prayer together. I tell you what, you, you don't realize the lives that you may touch and the hearts that you may bless whenever you do that. Otherwise, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. May he always cause his face to shine upon you. And may you just be blessed and blessed your socks right off. Go in peace. God's with you.